Today's episode of Wizards After Dark is brought to you by Game Time. Okay, guys, time for a little pop quiz. Do you think Wizards tickets are cheaper three weeks or three hours before the game? You can find the answer with Game Time, the ticket buying app that proves patience is more than just a virtue. It can save you some serious cash. Game Time is the leader in last minute tickets. Pick your deal, see the view from where you're sitting, and buy in just two taps. More than 12 million fans have downloaded the Game Time app and discovered the fastest, easiest way to get into the game. So download Game Time in the App Store or Google Play, work that clock to your advantage, and score last minute tickets. In a windowless room with giant bricks, and uh, I could be anywhere right now, but I am in Staples Center with without any of the glory of of Staples Center at all. This, this is truly the bowels of Staples Center. <laughs> it is. These are these are. If these are what bowels look like, <laughs> then then <laughs> that's a something. Of, a lot of giant bricks. It's breaking breaking news to me. Uh, not a lot of bricks in this game. The Clippers beat the Wizards 150 to 125 in a very Wizardsy score. The Wizards are now six and twelve. I'm Frank Katz. I cover the Wizards for the Athletic. I'm the host of this sometimes wonderful, sometimes excruciating podcast, and I'm I'm sitting right next to a, a very special guest, uh, Nathaniel Duncan. You might know him from his podcast, the Dunked On Basketball Podcast. You might know him from uh, from Twitter. He tweets a lot about. Uh, like pick and roll coverage. Oh yeah, yeah. No, should, should we do it at the end? We can scroll through my timeline and pick out my most irrelevant, granular tweet of the yeah. game. <laughs> we should do that. I can't imagine if you like, if you like covered someone like Josh Hustis, where like Hustis used to go through when I was in OKC, used to go through my tweets and find like the worst joke I made on Twitter and then tweet something disparaging at me after legitimately every Thunder game. I can't even imagine. What what he would have done with your tweets? I think he would have had he would have had gold. Well, he probably would have just got mad at me because with 50 seconds left in a blowout, I'd be tweeting how he like didn't pull over properly <laughs> to tag the roll man. It's exactly what would be the case. Uh, what are we? So what are we talking about first? Let's I mean, talk about Rui. I think Rui yeah, let's talk about the positive note. overall Rui. Yeah, Thir- yep. thirty points, thirteen to twenty three from the field, thirty eight minutes. He was left in there during garbage time uh, here on Japanese Cultural Heritage Night, the Clippers. <laughs> All part of it. Yeah, That's why. just pure coincidence that tonight was Japanese uh, Cultural Heritage Night. But, uh, yeah, Rudy, is, is this the best game of the season? Yeah, for sure. And, and I thought the reason why wasn't necessarily because he had a career high. I mean, he had 30. That's a nice number. But it was the way he got his 30. You know, my concern with Rui has been, as an offensive player, has been that he's the shots he's really good at are the least efficient shots. Yeah. So he can be awesome at mid-range and still potentially be an inefficient player throughout his career because that's just not the way to become efficient. At some point, he's going to have to become really good at a few of getting to the line, scoring around the rim, or making threes. At the start of the Lakers game on Friday, he was going right at the rim. And he was pretty successful. And I, I kind of thought by the middle of the game, like, oh, maybe that's a bad thing. Because he got a little overconfident doing that. And it didn't work the rest of the game. Tonight, he was going right at the rim. He only got to the line three times. And that's a big thing. He's got to figure out a way to get to the line. Uh, but why, why doesn't he get to the foul line? 
a lot of his shots around the rim are like sure things. Yeah. The, what he's done the last game and a half is different from what he's tonight. I think it was. I think he could have gotten to the line more. There were a lot of times where there was like contact and he just didn't really get it. He never sells anything. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if he'll ever be like a high free throw guy. He would have to really change his game in order to do that. But I think it's really encouraging that he was using his momentum to go to the rim. He finished through and over contact a few times. Um, I thought that was a really encouraging thing for him because that's another step for him if he's able to do that consistently. Yeah, I'll agree with you uh, on how he's getting his when He's 8 for 11 at the rim tonight. Uh, only two out of four for mid-range, so that, that's a good ratio for him. Uh, hit a couple of corner threes as well. Seems more comfortable in the corner than he does above the break with a lot of guys with his shot style where he kind of shoots it a little bit on the way down. Not a ton of arc. Those guys are usually more comfortable in the corner. But uh, I thought as more of a dependent player, the way he was able to be efficient tonight, uh, especially on that second unit when Bertans was at center. He was being used as the role man. I would guess that's probably more than we've seen that from him with Wagner out. And so he's able to get a lot going right to the rim as the role man and finish it. And I thought that was an interesting look for the Wizards if he can be paired with a stretch big as the foreman where he doesn't necessarily have to make decisions. He's just catching the ball where he can finish the play very easily. And I think he has some potential in that area. Yeah, I think that's a good point. He a really interesting development with him over the first what is it eighteen games? Yeah, is a few games in, he had a game where he got swatted like three times at the rim. Yeah, and Scott Brooks pulled him aside that next practice and had a talk with him like, go and try to dunk that stuff. Like mm-hmm. you are not going up against Gonzaga opponents right now. You can't just lay the ball in over these these guys, and and since. We've seen more of a concerted effort where he doesn't always do it right because he's a rookie, and rookies a lot of times do things wrong. But you can tell the effort is there. It's there in the back of his mind of being like, I have to finish this stronger. And he had a couple of legitimately strong finishes at the rim tonight, which I don't think in game one of the year he's capable of doing. Uh, I, I think that's a nice, a nice little – you know, I've talked so much on this podcast – the thing with Rui that you want to see, you want to see that in December he's a little better than he was in October, and then in February some of the issues he was having in December have smoothed over to some degree, and so on and so forth every month, two months, whatever. You want those incremental improvements, and just because he's doing it tonight doesn't mean he's going to do it tomorrow. He's going to have games where he doesn't do it. It's what rookies do. Nice to see, though, that he's capable of doing it for one evening. Yeah, I remember someone once told me that like a player's development is like a child walking up the stairs holding a yo-yo. <laughs> so you're going to have games where it's good and bad, but you want like the general trend line to, to be up. Um, and what do you think of him, by the way? We haven't talked about this. Uh, I mean, are you like really excited about him if you're the Wizards? Or are you thinking he's just going to maybe be a starter at the power forward position? Uh, is he going to be a primary option? Is he not? Like, are you, like, really high on this guy right now? Or are you kind of, you know, he's okay? I don't know yet. Yeah. I, The Wizards are really high on him. The yeah. Wizards, like, everything the Wizards have seen from him, they're like, he's even better than we thought. They, they, they think 
Yeah, so, that so they, thought he would, they thought he would average 0.5 free throws a game, and he's yeah. averaging one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm, Every single thing. I'm wary of the fact, like that point that I just made, I, I'm wary of the fact that the shots that he's best at are the least efficient ones, are the pull-up mid-range stuff. His His shot definitely worries me. I don't like guys who have a different form inside the three-point line and outside the Mm three-point line. I always find that to be concerning, and that's very true for him. He has a different form not only inside and outside the free-throw line. He has a different form when he spots up and when he catches and shoots. I think that inconsistency can can really throw things off. Like You talk to NBA-level shooting coaches, and NBA players are so good that they'll tell you they don't need like perfect form. Not everybody has to be Clay Thompson. Where your form is just perfect, the most important thing is just consistency and repeatability. And if you don't have that, that's when you tend to be inconsistent with your shot making too, or sometimes just never even get it to click. Uh, I wonder what kind of a passer he's going to be. And then defensively, yeah, yeah. Well, I wonder wonder if he's going to hit like – because the thing is, if he's best when he's had his pull-up, when he's pulling up and scoring with the ball, then he needs to – be a guy who is where the offense can be good when he's your number one option, right. or else he's like Rudy Gay or like third year TJ Warren I, I, I or mean, one of real, those. Realistically, like if he had the career that Rudy Gay has, he should be ecstatic to yeah. get that with the the number nine pick. Honestly, like that's I, I mean I know Rudy Gay has had a a bad rep in the analytics community, and after tearing his Achilles, I think that's no longer warranted, but. And he was on some bad teams, but he's a guy who's had, he drafted in 2006. He's had a 13-year career. I mean, if Rui could have that as a number nine pick, that's actually, like, pretty damn good. Well, I think he's going to score a lot. What do you think? Yeah. Um, you know, uh, I think he does have to find a way to be efficient because I don't know how much other stuff he's going to do. He's not going to protect the rim. I don't think he has the instincts to make plays defensively as an off-ball guy. I do think there's something there. On ball, like tonight, for example, we saw a couple of times Kawhi Leonard tried him. He didn't really, you know, overwhelm him physically. I think he, like he can guard some of those bigger wings, but the question of the defensive intelligence, the playmaking, uh, being a force at the rim, it's. I think he can play a specific role defensively, but he's not necessarily a difference maker. He's just maybe a guy who is not going to get you killed at that position, being overwhelmed physically, which. You know, is nice on this Wizards team because they don't really have anyone else like that at this point in time. Um, and then again, yeah, he's best with the ball in the mid-range. I think that can be a weapon against the right team. Is that a championship level of player? Maybe he's better as a scorer, a, a sixth man type of guy who can come in and create offense that might be a little inefficient, but at least he's not going to turn the ball over. And so that's kind of what I see his destiny as. I know that he's came late to the game. He's made a lot of improvements. He definitely has great physical tools, but I'm never really high on these kind of lack of feel guys. And I think he is, despite the fact that he's a great kid and works hard, that he may end up be being one of those guys. Yeah, I mean, the thing that sometimes I think we overlook when we break it down to such a granular degree, like your tweets, <laughs> is... He's really talented and has a notoriously really good work ethic. And when you combine those two things, 
good things often tend to happen. So, like... Yeah, if he, if he had a skill set that was more... Um, that was more conducive to being a role player, I think that would be more appealing to me of, like, all right, he's just going to work it. But to be the type of player that he's supposed to be as a scorer uh, and defender, like, I do think the feel is so critical in that role. You can be, you know, a 3 and D type of guy and not have the greatest feel and still be able to contribute. But, you know, I'm not sure that the three part of that is ever going to come around for him. So... I don't know. I, it's uh, he, he's a really interesting type of player. You know, I, I am wary of writing him off because I do think, especially as him being late to the game and some of the skills that he has, he's not someone who just fits into boxes very easily. No, he does not fit into boxes at all. That's what makes him tough, though. Like that's what makes it tough. The guy, it's often the guys who come late to the game who are really tough in either direction. Like on one side, you get Pascal Siakam. And on the other side, you get Hashim to beat. And it makes those guys really, really difficult to evaluate because their progression can just be, can potentially, their progression or their potential to fall off a cliff, honestly, can be totally different from someone who's been playing basketball since they were three years old and who we have all these different points to analyze and, and, and who we kind of can figure out this is what they're good at, this is what they're not good at, and they're kind of done improving here, and they still have a ways to go here, you know? So do we need to talk about this Troy Brown thing? Yeah, yeah, that's what I was getting at next. Should I read Scott Brooks's quote? Because we beat writers sensationalize everything, because we, yeah. we want the clicks, we want to sell those papers. Buy the athletic paper. Um, all right, Troy Brown did not start the second half. For what it's worth, I went on a whole spiel on this podcast last week that I don't think Troy Brown should start for this team. Yeah. I think he's better coming off the bench because when you play him next to Isaiah Thomas and Bradley Beal, he's just parked in the corner, and that's not how you're going to develop Troy Brown. Because if Troy Brown becomes a consequential NBA player, it's someone who gets to kind of do stuff with the ball and, and handle and run an occasional pick and roll and that kind of stuff. He's he's never going to be the kind of guy who just hangs out in the corner and that's it. So he's either not going to be a rotation player or he's going to be somebody who can help out a little bit with the ball. So you might as well develop him that way. That, however, is not why Troy Brown did not start the second half. Scott Brooks was asked about it after the game. Isaac Bonga came in, started over him. The Wizards were down 20-something at that point. Uh, he was asked if it was a performance issue with Troy, and, and Brooks said no. We just needed a defender out there. We needed a spark. I don't know what we're going to do going forward, but we need a defender, and that's what he does. That's what Bonga does. That's how he's wired, his activity. He competes, plays with some passion. He doesn't like to be scored on, and he deserves some minutes. And then he was asked about playing Bonga specifically against the Clippers in that matchup, and he said he competes, he cares, he's trying, he's showing some emotion, he's not looking to take shots. He's just going out there and competing, and we need that. We need that. He started early in the season. We got some guys healthy. Now CJ's out. Maybe it's time to give him another look. Could be a starting lineup change. Should we Should we read into it? Well, well so, so you and I talked about this a little bit off air, and I said, hey, you know, just because he's saying something nice about Bonga doesn't mean that he's, like, just totally crapping on Troy. Obviously, he chose Bonga over Troy to start the second half, but... It, I was like, oh, is this really a direct message at Troy Brown? Like, should it be taken as a shot? 
at him, and uh, you knowing Scott Brooks said yes. <laughs> yeah, it should be. Yeah. Yeah, so, which which made me think that like thank God uh, we're not married because I would tell you that your hair looked nice and you'd be like what it didn't look nice before. <laughs> like like any any compliment of one thing is like clear like there has to be a yin and a yang like you're complimenting one thing and you're crapping on something else. Yeah, we should have like uh, we should have like Ray Romano do bits about. Scott Brooks and passive aggressiveness within relationships. No one does better passive aggressive relationship stand up than Ray Romano. And he can do it just about Scott Brooks with Troy Brown and Otto Porter. Yeah, so Scott Brooks had some solid uh, Ray Romano type of humor pregame when uh, you, you asked him if uh, he was going to make a move to just go all offense. And he's like, well, isn't that what we've just been doing all season? Yeah. <laughs> Do you say defense? Yeah. You're talking about defense? <laughs> so if it was Allen Iverson. Uh, I, I do read into it. I think there's some pretty blatant messaging in Troy Brown. Because it's not the first time that we've heard. If it were the yeah. first time, I'd be like, okay. But this is kind of how Scott Brooks talks around topics. He did it with Otto Porter when he would pull Otto Porter from games. He's done it with Troy Brown before. Last year, he spent the year saying Troy wasn't ready. And look, if Troy Brown gets minutes, I I do understand the point that coaches make where they say, like, so-and-so's got to earn minutes. You can't just give something to somebody. I get that from a developmental standpoint. And as long as Troy Brown is playing minutes, it's fine. Who cares if he, if he starts, if he doesn't start? Reps are more important than minutes and, and developing a guy. But, like, my thing is you can't hold you have to hold every player to a particular to the same set of standards or else no, you're going to lose no let me let me finish let me finish or else you're going to lose credibility and i realize that just because scott brooks is not is saying things publicly doesn't mean he's not saying them or taking care of them privately i realize that but i don't think scott has had any inclination he he will not mention Isaiah Thomas's defensive problems, and Troy Brown got scored on a lot and played a bad defensive game for sure. But there has been—I mean, Isaiah Thomas dies on screens, does not move defensively, and he's a big name. But I I don't I don't see why you should be holding certain guys like that to different standards. Well, I mean, it's been the case for a long time that different guys get held to, to different standards. I mean, to me, Isaiah is someone who's a, a big personality. You might piss him off in the locker room. He's only here for one year, almost certainly. Uh, and he also has zero capability to actually get better. As a 30-year-old who, with one hip, who is five foot nine, so Troy Brown, there actually is a hope that he could get better. Um, now, certainly, I mean, I don't think the like passive-aggressive coach speak, calling the players out in the media approach is the one that I would necessarily go for. Um, but I understand why he's not going to call out Isaiah Thomas's defense when you know it's just you could say maybe you should call it nobody's then, but. 
like he's not going to get any better. It's just who he is. He's thirty years old. He's five nine. Of course, he's not going to get better. Yeah. So there, there's hope for Troy Brown, I think, and that's uh, you could say that that's like the good way to say it. The bad way to say it is, hey, you know, fan base, front office, this young guy that you uh, think is so awesome, and I'm screwing up by not playing. Uh, uh, maybe he's not that good. Yeah. Well, that's that is kind of. Yeah. If Scott doesn't think that Troy Brown is good enough to play on this team, then that's a thing that you have to be asking. Does Scott think he's 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 that good? Right? I mean their whole mission is they want to develop young guys. And and I have written a million times, like just giving a guy minutes is not always the best way way to develop young guys. You you talk to vets who are like good players in the league. And a lot of them can pinpoint a time early in their career, college, whatever, where a coach got through to them in some way by benching them or doing something stern, sitting them in a fourth quarter, even if it wasn't just like an outward thing. They conveyed some message to them in a harsh way that made them better. And it wasn't necessarily just giving them minutes at every single opportunity, giving them the ball at every single opportunity. So... That is a totally fine way to play it. But I don't know. It's just like they just gave up 150 points for the second time this year. They're one of two teams along with Atlanta to give up 150 points. What's what's their defensive efficiency right now? It's got to be over 115. Yeah. It's well, got to be over 115. But, but it's the you, worst in the NBA. Sure, but, they but have not you, been competing. Tons of guys aren't competing on defense. It just seems like... It feels like scapegoating because yeah, because well, guys aren't. But but we knew they were going to be this bad though. Like like they're not actually. When I went on your preseason podcast, yeah. that we talked about if they were going to be the worst defensive efficiency all, of all time. Right. Well, so if that's the case, then you know you can't necessarily say that these guys aren't competing because they just don't have the time. I mean, I, I thought this in today's first half. Yeah, there were some mistakes. The effort wasn't amazing, but like just getting beat man like they're just not good enough to guard Paul George and Kawhi Leonard you know and I mean they throw Isaiah Thomas in a pick and roll and get the matchup they wanted they were going under on screens because if they went over their defense would have been destroyed and Paul George was hitting a bunch of jumpers on him and Kawhi Leonard is too big and Montrezl Harrell is just going through Thomas Bryant over and over again like there's I, I think I don't know that like it's a lack of effort as much as it's a lack of talent to me same. No, I'm 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 with you, but that is part of my point. This is a team yeah. effort. What's bringing them down? It just feels weird to me to single out. Like I don't watch them. And I certainly don't watch them and think, man, Troy Brown's really holding it down right now. But I also don't watch them and think, you know what the problem is here? It's Troy Brown. That's yeah. not really what I'm thinking. They and you're right, man. Harold was just getting to the rim whenever he wanted against Thomas Bryant. Yeah. Whenever he wanted. No, I mean, I certainly agree with you that they have bigger defensive problems than, than Troy Brown. Let me ask you this. Has anyone ever gotten out of this, like, Scott Brooks thinks he's soft, semi-doghouse? That's a good question. I'd have to think about it. But that's a good question. Otto Porter never really did. Yeah. He never really did. 
even after even after getting a max contract, <laughs> yeah, he still he still didn't get out of the doghouse. I mean, four games into last year, five games into last year, Scott Brooks is in Sacramento. They fall to one and four, and Scott Brooks is in Sacramento talking about how Otto didn't play hard enough. And it's like they got their asses kicked by Sacramento in that game, and they just pile on Otto. And I. He he had another game. I forget the game where he talked about after it. They they lost by a lot. He said, you know, talked about Otto not running back hard enough on defense. So and he said specifically on fast breaks. So I went back and I rewatched that entire game. And I anything that could potentially be referred to as a transition play, I marked down and I watched Otto, and I marked every single play how hard he ran just based on my own totally unofficial term of just did it look like he ran hard and Otto was one of the first guys down the floor on almost every single one of those plays yeah it sometimes when this happens it just feels like you're looking for a reason and I think a lot of people in the NBA kind of have this crutch of like well we lost we didn't play hard enough gotta play harder not always that though it's just it's not sometimes sometimes the Clippers are a really good basketball team yeah well and over the course of an 82 game NBA schedule it's difficult to play hard every night as well I mean just from an actual energy standpoint we're getting into the point of the season now where the wear and tear is starting to catch up um yeah so I don't know I mean you would just have them I mean, I don't mind him putting Bonga in. Like, they actually showed their only signs of life right at the start of the third quarter when he put him in. Uh, he got a little more length on the floor. I mean, Bonga can't do anything on offense, but, you know, whatever, that's fine. He, he sent the message there. Um, Nate, before I ask you about Bonga, I do actually very quickly just want to tell the listeners about StockX because if you ever wonder how to get the hottest new sneakers, the ones that barely hit shelves, the answer is StockX, a revolutionary new marketplace for buying and selling 100% authentic sneakers, streetwear, watches, and handbags. Millions are already using StockX to find everything after it sells out, from the latest Yeezys to every retro Jordan to the hottest new streetwear from brands like Supreme, Palace, and Kith. StockX ensures authenticity. Every item bought or sold on StockX is carefully inspected by hand to ensure it's 100% legit. Their experts go above and beyond to make sure you never get burned by fakes. StockX has removed all the risk from buying and selling online. Now you can get the hottest, hardest to find kicks without ever having to deal with a random buyer or seller again. StockX uses the same principles as the stock market to make buying and selling as safe and easy as possible. It provides real-time market data for intelligent buying and selling and gives you access to tons of historical price data. If you want in on the hype, you can check out StockX.com slash bball for a surprise offer that won't be around long. Again, that's StockX.com slash bball. Check it out today. Let's check out. I, I wanna I wanna touch on Bonga real quickly before we wrap sure. up. Um, what do, what do you think of him? Like, what is he? Yeah, it's again offensively. I think is where the problem arises. They've actually been much better with him on the floor this year. Ten point seven points per hundred better with him on the floor. I haven't looked to see whether there's like fluky shooting numbers that are driving that, but they weren't this bad defensively like right at the start of the year when Troy Braun was out and he was playing and you know they played some better defensive minutes with him out there, but 
I think he's still got to develop the three-point shot. He can't really jump at all, so that's a problem with him trying to get to the basket. And he's a, a guy whose ball-handling skills at 6'9", in theory, intrigue, but you have to actually do something with the ball once you dribble it towards the basket, which uh, not sure he's going to be able to do that ever. But it, worth noting that he was a really, really young rookie last year. And I think that he, there's something to believe in there just with his ball skills and the, the ability that he has defensively, just the, the length. He's gotten a lot bigger and a lot stronger. He just looks huge out there, which is, so he's intriguing, <laughs> that's for sure. Uh, but it's very difficult to see him fitting into any kind of winning NBA basketball anytime soon. Yeah, he is intriguing. <laughs> I just don't know what the hell he is. Like I, it's so funny. I, I don't where where is his shot right now? Where is his shot? Yeah, like for from not him, just like just terrible, right? So we're in Los Angeles. His shot is in like Greenland. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't make the trip. No, his his shot stayed back. His shot is actually working out with the go go yeah. while they're here. Um, I don't know what he like so when the I forget if I said this on the podcast I asked the person who had worked with him before when they made the trade with the Lakers to get him I was just like what what is he because I didn't see that much of him last year I mean I'm yeah. not sitting around watching Lakers G League games and he barely played in the NBA and so I was I just asked like what what position just like what role is he going to play and the person said well he played a little bit of point guard last year, and I was like, I know that, but is he a point guard? The person was like, not sure. I was like, and he said, well, he he could he could just be like a, a two three type, uh, or 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 he could end up being a like a small ball four. I was like, you're just naming every position. <laughs> you're naming everything, so you're just saying he's not the next Andre Drummond. Like that's all that's all you're saying, and this is a person who like knows his game intimately and it's like if people who know his game intimately are still as of a few months ago just being like well he might be all of these things then it's really hard to project he just kind of he has the body the thing is he's not he's not a tremendous athlete no uh which which will prevent him i think from really reaching a, a really high defensive ceiling because he's long and he's got good hands and and in in some moments he does have good feel. Like you see him make some plays, you'll see him rotate over quickly on something defensively. Every once in a while he'll he'll make a good he'll run a pick and roll or something. He hasn't really done it at all in the last fourteen games. But every once in a while when he was starting the first time around, like he'd make a play in the pick and roll, you'd be like, Okay. That that was that looked pretty good. Uh but but I just I don't know like, even what role he's gonna fill. Yeah, I mean maybe like an Evan Turner type, a, a very poor man's Ben Simmons type. Where I think what you would want is he could handle the ball, he can grab and go, he can push it, and then maybe if you have a bunch of shooters coming off of screens, he can be like deliver the ball to them. Um, maybe he could like post up smaller players, but I, I think most lineups that he's going to be a part of. The theory is going to have to be that you're going to out-defend 
the opposition, and he maybe has enough ball handling skills that he could be the nominal point guard on offense, and then you can have enough shooting around him. He, you know, he can defend threes and fours on defense, play point guard on offense, and then you just have more overall size as a unit. But yeah, I mean, now is he good enough that you're going to rejigger your whole rotation around that? Yeah, probably not. But you know, if the guy got drafted in the second round, they got him for nothing. Yeah. So. They got Wagner for nothing. Wagner was out tonight. They got Davis Bertans for nothing. Titus career high in threes. Weird he's never hit more than six threes in a game. That's happening at some point this year. Yeah. Well, I mean, how many how many times in his career he played over 25 minutes before so this year? Yeah, not, not that many. Um, but, yeah, he's a joy to watch, though, man. That guy, he is just the slightest sliver of daylight at this oh, point. Yeah. I mean, he's coming off screens, like shooting fadeaway threes. Any time in transition, he's like a must find. He's got a, that quick high release. I mean, he he's a player. Like you just he's got to have a real center next to him defensively, or you're just going to get cooked. Yeah, but he's he's an excellent offensive role player. Yeah, I mean, an unbelievable shooter. Really, really, like six more threes tonight. I mean, un unbelievable shooter. He did you see his quote when I asked him about shooting threes? Like last week, did you see this? No. I asked him how far out because he's starting to take threes from twenty eight now. Oh yeah, consistently. So I asked him how far out is too far out on threes, and he responded, "I haven't found out yet." <laughs> I just think that's the best. Yeah. Well, he response. shoots like a he shoots like a jump shot too. So that's like usually those guys don't shoot it quite as far out. Um, should we close it here with my most asinine, please, esoteric? Please. Of, of the night. Let's do it. Um, let's see here. We've got one on uh, Terrence Mann's fit with the Clippers' second unit. <laughs> uh, that, that one will do it. Yeah, yeah. We've got uh, uh, Patrick Beverly rebounding, offensive rebounding, a missed free throw, and Scott Brooks calling timeout, and me complaining about. How Beverly was four feet over the three point line when the shooter released the ball. Very under enforced. Jump jump balls and lane violations. NBA referees are, are doing a real real crappy job here. Oh. Is really it, any you'd like to, to nominate at all? No, I think that's a good one. I think uh honestly your Wizards ones are I mean No, no got, I've got it. I've got it. I, I think I've got it here. All right. <laughs> A couple times, Zubac has been switched on to Isaiah Thomas and just given up the stationary jumper. Given how he's struggled at the rim this year, probably better to make him drive. <laughs> there you go. I, I do appreciate you pointing out Montrez Harrell not uh, holding his holding the ball past the buzzer and then chucking it up and actually putting up the shot. Oh, yeah. I, I would say the number one thing I respect about Rui is that Rui puts up shots at the end of quarters. He doesn't hold on to it. Bradley Beal had like an all-time buzzer clutch the other night. It was tremendously shameless. It was un- he had, it was on a breakaway where there was no one in front of him. Where he got a steal with two seconds left, went two strides, could have put up like a 45-footer with no one in front of him on the run, and was just holding on to that thing and then never even put up a shot just kept dri- 
didn't even put it up like right after the buzzer. Just kept dribbling. It was tremendous. The, the buzzer clutch lasted all the way through to the beginning of the next yeah. quarter. Yeah. Like, took the ball back with him to the bench. Exactly. <laughs> um, if you listen to my podcast, I'm sure you listen to one of Nate's. He's got Dunked On. Uh, he's got a podcast with John Hollinger through The Athletic. Uh, what, what else? What else? What do you need to plug? Uh, that's about it, basically. L- listen to those. That's my full-time, <coughs> full-time gig. Six podcasts a week. Six podcasts a week. It's a lot. Yeah, and like over six <coughs> hours of podcasting. Wow. If you want mundane, keep coughing. If you want mundane basketball analysis, stuff about Anthony Tolliver's ice pick and roll coverage. Footwork. Follow Jason Quick, who covers yeah. the <laughs> covers the the, uh, the Blazers, the Athletic. Check out Nate at NBA uh, Nate Duncan NBA on Twitter and uh, subscribe to Wizards After Dark. Uh, give us five stars on iTunes. Leave a review if you're listening. This is a free episode. If you're listening to this one and you want to sign up for the bonus episodes because I do one bonus episode a week on the Athletic, you want to be able to get the bonus episodes. And you're not an Athletic subscriber, you can. Sign up for a 40% off discount on an annual subscription if you go to theathletic.com slash wizardsafterdark. Again, that's 40% off on an annual subscription, theathletic.com slash wizardsafterdark. Go on iTunes, rate us, review us. That always helps a lot. Give it the five stars when you do the rating because that's just what kind people do. I'll be back on Tuesday. The Wizards play the Magic. Done with the road trip. I'm going back to D.C. from L.A. after this. Magic on Tuesday night. I will be podcasting again after that one and have that up Wednesday morning for all you guys, and I will talk to you guys then.